Welcome to the Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. On this show, we talk about why women are important in the movements we see today, and we're going to be talking about how we make a difference in the world. I am Renee Frazier, CEO and founder of Frazier Communications, the largest woman-led advertising firm in Los Angeles, and we focus on doing well by doing good. Many of our campaigns are focused on social change, how we get people to stop smoking, get people to be vaccinated, boosted, and we also do work with Lexus and Toyota, asking people to consider hybrids as we look at our impact on the environment. In this show, we talk about issues that are important to all of us. And I'd like to focus on issues where women are a driving force. Today, we're gonna be talking with Helen McKenna, who is the CEO or lead of the nonprofit LA Giving Circle. I've been a part of it for several years. We'll learn what it's all about, but more importantly, you'll learn about positive change happening in the world. It really is an uplifting experience to be part of LA Giving Circle. And to give you a little tidbit, we had a uh, luncheon to, for everybody to pull together with uh, many of our grantees, and I sat between two women who had been incarcerated for murder. That was a surprise to me. I learned a lot. Today, we're going to talk with some of the folks who get the funding, so you too will be able to understand how you can have an impact through the LA Giving Circle or by your own giving. And I encourage you to think about this. We're ending the year 2022, but as you move into 23, think about even how a small donation can make a big difference. Welcome to the show, Helen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, I am thrilled to be able to talk about the LA Giving Circle. It's a passion of mine, something that I started in 2010, right after the subprime meltdown, when people were once again thinking about philanthropic giving. We started small. We were about eight or 10 women. We uh, donated the first year four grants of $7,000 each. And fast forward to this past year where we gave $180,000 to five grantees so that our total over the last 11 years or so has been about $1.2 million. That's um, a really nice number. We're very proud of the work that we do. The range of giving varies from... Helen, let me, let, me, let me ask you to pause for just a moment, and I'll, yep. we'll talk about the range of giving, which is great. I want the, the audience to hear that, $1.2 million. These are organizations in Los Angeles that are impacting women and girls. And I want people to understand, as Helen talks, this isn't just about writing a check. We learn what they do. We understand the issues that these women and girls are facing. You learn a lot about the factors that you may not see in your own life through these organizations. You understand the influences. You meet young women and hear their backstories. And it creates an amazing level of understanding and empathy. Uh, Frankly, I think all of us have to think about that, right? In our daily lives, we may not come across people who are struggling, especially out of COVID. But we know it's there. We hear about it. We read about it. Maybe you see it on Instagram. In this case, you get to be face-to-face, and you really hear these women's stories. Helen, tell us about the funding and the process for that 1.2. And let me just mention, I give $2,500. We ask people to give $2,500, but I think there's also a junior level of giving. Is that right, Helen? That is. We ask for a minimum of $2,500. Many give more. If you're 40 or under, it's, it's half, it's 1250 as a minimum. So that's the funding requirement. And uh, we have an extremely robust process. 
whereby we ask potential donees to submit proposals, initially letters of intent, so that we're, we're, uh, we make sure that they are a mission match. And the mission is basically to support underserved women and girls in achieving a sustainable lifestyle, which covers a great number of different facets, so that our grantees are everything from STEM programs for middle schoolers to uh, halfway houses for women with children who are trying to get their lives together. So the process basically is a proposal, uh, a site visit, a physical site visit where some of us can go and interview the CEOs and the directors of these organizations. We come back with information. We then have another meeting whereby the executive directors of our finalists come online with us on Zoom and then we vote. And whatever amount of money we collect that year is what we allocate to usually five grantees. Uh, and again, varying all over uh, the map with respect to areas that they serve. And our membership as well, our youngest members are in their mid-20s, our oldest member is 87, and everything in between. Which yes, let me let me talk about how the group comes together, Helen, independent from uh, assessing these organizations. And I love the fact that we get to meet the executive directors. Much of this happens on Zoom now, as you can all imagine. And listeners, as you think about this, you can get as involved as you want. You can uh, participate in the interviews. You can actually do a site visit and go out and see it and meet the young women and girls that are a part of the program and it's all women it's not just young women so i want people to understand that it's not a heavy duty responsibility it's really what you make it and i will say that the more i've gotten involved the more i have participated you know sitting at that lunch with those two women i learned so much and i realized how little i knew about mm -hmm. incarcerated women uh, mm -hmm. and there's something you read about you talk about uh, but both of these women had really interesting stories, and they were just like me. <laughs> we liked the same food. We shared mimosas. And it was a time for me to feel like I was giving back, but also expanding my network, understanding other people. Uh, and I think that's important for all of us. You know, as we face this world in front of us, it's challenging, right? But the more you get to know other people and their perspectives, I think the better you are at understanding the world and even guiding your own impact. What? How can I make a difference? So Helen, mention a few of the organizations that have been funded. We're going to have on the Alexandria House, uh, Do-It-Yourself Do it Girls, DIY Girls. Uh, and then we're also going to be talking with People's Pottery Project, and that's for formerly incarcerated women. What right. are the other organizations we funded this year? Uh, Winter Women in Non-Traditional Employment Roles is, is a fabulous organization that we have supported a number, for a number of years where they it's a boot camp. Women uh, are there from seven to four for about 11 weeks, and they learn the trades, carpentry, electric, electricians, uh, plumbers, uh, all sorts of tiling. And so they build a house in those 11 weeks and immediately upon graduation get hired into the unions. This is an opportunity to really have a career and to make more than minimum wage such that you can really get your life straight and get it on a really good path. So that's another I, one. I remember, yeah, I've heard one of those women on one of our calls uh, and she, she talked about how tough some of the work was physically. And, right. uh, but, but she made it through and, uh, you know, having, we work with the LA Department of Water and Power and I know they're in desperate need to try to bring more diversity, more women into the positions. And it takes programs like this to get the women prepared. 
because yeah. frankly, when women go into those programs, sometimes they're tested. Some of the men have been in it a long time and are used to having their nephews and their sons come into the program. Don't necessarily want women as part of it, but these women really step up and get themselves trained and they know they can persevere in them. So I love winter. What's the other program that we funded this year? Uh, I believe it was uh, Taking the Reins, which is an interesting program. It is an equestrian program for girls where it's an after school program, obviously, where they learn not only to ride, but to really groom horses and develop a connection with horses. And those people in that area of psychology know that this kind of connection with an animal can be very, very meaningful and very fulfilling. So that was the fifth organization that we funded this year. The other thing is the um, members also get to participate in these organizations besides the LA Giving Circle. They learn about these organizations, they become mentors, they, become, uh, they go on boards, it's an opportunity to really understand and learn what's going on in your city. As Renee says, these are not organizations that are United Way. They're not organizations that you might have heard of. They are under the radar, and yet the work that they do is so impactful and so meaningful that those are the organizations that we look to fund. So it's an opportunity to do many things with your money. It's an opportunity to meet other philanthropically-minded women. Many friendships have occurred through the Giving Circle. Uh, and so we, we as, as Renee said of her company, we really feel that we're doing we're doing well by doing good. Absolutely, Helen. We're going to wrap up this and talk to the DIY girls leader in just a moment. Um, I, I want to emphasize what you said. Two things that you said. These are organizations that are under the radar. One of the organizations that we met with that I got to participation participate in uh, was Right W R I T E Girls, and it's an amazing program. Girls lead, learn to write scripts. Uh, they get to talk to people who are writing uh, showrunners for television shows, and and most of those girls, like ninety eight percent of them, go to college. There's a college counseling, etc. I had wished we funded it, but we didn't because they have really great funding. <laughs> but I was so happy to learn about it. You know, I use copywriters in my business, so I'm actually going to work work with that group to bring some young women in to write for us on some projects. So that's an added benefit of this program. And that was the second point. You get to meet other women who are like-minded. You learn about these organizations. And it feels good to be around other people who are feeling good. We have, what, almost 50 women in the group, Helen, as we close out. How many members? There are somewhere between, as we go into this next funding cycle, there are somewhere between 50 and 60 women. And then what we have is Friends of LA Giving Circle. So these are people who donate. They are not involved in the process, but they feel strongly enough about the work that we do, as well as the work that some of their friends do, who are members, that they contribute, especially at the end of the year. And you can go to the uh, www.losangelesgivingcircle.org for more information on all the grantees that we funded over the years and uh, to go ahead and donate whatever amount you feel comfortable donating, no matter how small we love it. Thank you, Helen. I will be mentioning the website. Thank you so much, Helen McKenna. We really appreciate it. Stay tuned now to learn about why the dip occurs at middle school for girls. Very, very few of them want to go into science. They love it when they're young and then they, they drop out. How can we change that? Listen and learn in our next segment. Stay tuned for Traffic and News.
Welcome back to Why Women, the Renee Frazier Show. We're talking today about doing well by doing good. You heard about the LA Giving Circle. This is a group of women who pool their money and give to great organizations. We're gonna talk about some really unknown facts in this next segment. Did you know that in the science of the scientists in the United States, only 28% are women? How can that be? We know women who are in science and math. Well, unfortunately, when you talk to young women, only 15% show an interest in what we call STEM, science, mathematics, etc. Unfortunately, this needs to change. And thank goodness there are organizations doing that. We're going to be talking with Leticia Rodriguez, the executive director of Do-It-Yourself Girls, DIY Girls, and they're having an impact. Leticia, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about the organization. Thank you so much for having me. So DIY Girls was founded in 2012 by our current state assemblywoman, Luz Rivas, and she really wanted to do something to address the underrepresentation of women in these STEM fields. She had gone, um, she was an electrical engineer herself and had gone on to work for Motorola in the industry. And like many women we hear from today, she was often one of the only women in the room and almost always the only Latina. And so, she founded DIY Girls with $200 and working with a group of 32 girls that first year. And now over the last 10 years, we've actually grown to serve over 5,700 girls, which is pretty incredible. Uh, out of our high school program, just over half, um, 50%, um, continue into a STEM major uh, and into a STEM career. That is fabulous. You really have an impact if half of them go into STEM. Talk to me about the reasons why. I, I understand between fourth and eighth grade, there's a big dip in girls thinking about science. I think it's the social factors, right? Girls are, you know, in, in that phase too, are very interested in uh, fashion and how they look. And of course, being, uh, you know, friends and fun. And it just seems that the social forces are pushing them away from science. What have you found? And, and can you give us an example of one or two girls in the program? We'd love to hear stories. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, for a lot of students, for a lot of girls, everything that you mentioned, you hit it right on the mark. I think that there are a lot of societal pressures. One of the things that I love about our program is that we are a supportive community only for girls. And we've heard time and time again from girls in our programs that they love this environment. They love the opportunity to be with other girls who are like-minded, who want to um, do better for themselves and also for the community. And I think that, uh, yes, all of the, the pressures are there. I think oftentimes their parents are very supportive, but they don't know how to help them. Um, oftentimes their parents are in the service industry, didn't go to college. And so again, I think that we're a tremendous resource for them. We have, I mean, I've, I have sisters who are teachers and have told me that like when, um, when you have a group of all boys and a girl in a group, oftentimes they will leave that girl out, like she will be excluded. Right. But when right. you have a group of three girls and a boy, the girls active, like, actively include the boy and ask for his opinion on things, right? And so I think that, again, we're, we're trying to change that and we're helping to build girls' confidence um, so that they know that 
they can do anything that boys can do. And that's often one of the things that we've heard from girls when we ask them at the end of our programs, like, what did you learn? What did you love about the program? Um, what are you taking away from it? And um, oftentimes we've heard, um, oftentimes we've heard, I have learned that I can do anything boys can do and girls can do anything boys can do sometimes better. And that's really- I agree, I agree. <laughs> Leticia, let me, let me, uh, let me uh, add to that just from uh, my own perspective. Uh, the dynamic is really different and I want the listeners, especially the men out there to hear this and think about it with their own daughters. Uh, even women as adults, I participated in a program called 5050 Women on Boards. It's about getting senior level women onto corporate boards overwhelmingly male. We bring women into workshops to talk about it and to get help. When men are involved, they dominate the conversation. And these are women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. So the same phenomena occurs. When I asked our group, well, why don't we open up to men for the workshops? They said, then the women will not per participate as actively. So there is a real role for programs that allow girls to feel comfortable and talk about what they, what they want, what they want to accomplish. And I think there are sometimes unspoken rules about girls should not go into science. There's another phenomenon I studied in my master's thesis called fear of success. And that's alive and well. It's women saying they don't want to talk about how successful they are. It might turn away the boys. I want to be a NASA scientist. Mm, what kind of a woman or a girl are you? So unfortunately, that's part of what you're dealing with, right? These girls getting their own self-confidence and seeing a vision for themselves, particularly girls of color. Yes, absolutely. The majority of the girls that we serve are girls of color and from low-income communities here in Los Angeles. And so I think there, there's already that factor, right, of um, just wanting to do better for themselves, wanting to go to college when oftentimes their parents haven't. And a lot of times it's also that just not knowing, not necessarily knowing what careers are out there because, you know, they, they might know of like a doctor or a lawyer, some of the common careers, but but an engineer, maybe not so much. Um, but yeah, I think that's 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 huge. Just uh, allowing the girls to dream big and to really know that that they can do it. Uh, I love that. Have that confidence in themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, I love the dream big. Let me give you a story of a young woman I sat with. I was at a program where they're training girls and boys to become advocates on the educational side. They were being trained on how to go in front of the school board and to get people to vote. And I had lunch with two Latinas and both of them shared. I said, how did you get into the program and why are you here? And the young girl who sat right next to me told me about the fact that she got into the program in middle school. She was excited to be a part of it. But in her family, her dad didn't want her to participate. She, her dad said, this is for your brother, not for you. And she said, I don't see it that way, you know, and I have to talk to my dad about it. I'm now the, I'm one of the head of the group. I'm a vice president in the group, and I'm really proud of what I've done. I'm hoping to get to Stanford or Berkeley. Mm -hmm. I said, how's your family supporting you in that? Yeah, she said, they still think my brother should be doing this. And I'm going to have a battle, she said, but it's worth it. And I know I can do it. And this program gives me the confidence. Uh, that's hard, you know, when you have those kind of forces in your life. And and I know the parents want the best for their children, but in their minds, the best is shaped from their own experience, right? 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I remember one of the very first um, young women I met in our program when I joined DIY Girls five years ago, um, we had a similar situation where um, our program was meeting on Saturdays at that time. And um, dad said, no, Saturdays are her time for her to be with her mom, helping her clean the house. And um, and I thought, oh, God, this still exists in this time and age. I thought that we were done with this. Um, but, you know, we we, incur we we spoke with the parents and um, and thankfully, they were they were supportive in the end of her they they realized it you know and understood and but that doesn't always happen right but i think um that's one of the great things that i love about our program is that we also have that relationship with the parents and we talk to the parents and um and oftentimes like you mentioned they, they are supportive but um yeah that's wonderful that's a really good point though i think the parents have to come along and they see the potential in their in their daughter uh, one of the one of the things they need to see, of course, is other women of color in those yeah. roles, right? That's so important to show scientists. We're we're um, like my my advertising firm is doing a program for Toyota, and we're using an influencer, Katya Echecavera. She's the first Mexican-born woman to woman to go into space. Do you know Katya? Yes, our team and I have heard of her. Yes, <laughs> she's wonderful. Well, I get to meet her. And we're going to shoot a video of her, and she's going to talk about how she's a hybrid. She is a, a scientist. She's an electrical engineer, and of course, she's a Latina. But she's also a uh, she run, does a science show on television, and so we're also talking about hybrid cars. And she'll talk about the Rabbit Rav4 hybrid and the Camry hybrid. So I'm I'm really excited to hold her up and spotlight her. Maybe I can get her to do an, an uh, a meeting with DIY DIY girls. I think she'd be inspirational, don't you? Oh yes, absolutely. We would love that. <laughs> Well, we need more women like that to step up and volunteer. Uh, let's give them the website so people know they can contact you for donations or to volunteer. Yeah, absolutely. You can find out more about us at www.diygirls.org. Again, that's diygirls.org. And we are on all of the social media platforms, so you can find us on any platform at diygirls.org or at diygirls. I love DIY girls and the fact that out of the program, 50% or a little bit more go into science or STEM fields. Great work that you're doing, Leticia. Thank you so much. Thank We've been talking well. with Leticia Rodriguez, who's the executive director of DIY Girls. That's DIYgirls.org. Please go to the website and learn more. This is all about doing well by doing good. It's so important that we learn how we can help others. You know, we, we see so many people on the streets these days, people that are homeless. Unfortunately, about 40% are women and women and children. And don't you feel helpless? I certainly do. Well, one of the ways I help is by supporting an organization called St. Joseph Center. I'm going to talk with the executive director in a few minutes, and we'll learn more. How can you help? What do they need? And how do they even get there in the first place? Stay tuned. You're listening to The Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. Thank you for listening and stay tuned as you'll hear news and uh, traffic. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. We've been talking about doing well by doing good, and we have another wonderful example of doing good. Our focus has been on work done by the LA Giving Circle, an opportunity for all of you in the audience to step into a group of like-minded people who help women and girls with programs. 
And now we're going to be talking with Sharon Plunkett from St. Joseph's about the program, the work that they do. Sharon's been part of LA Giving Circle for several years. They've been a, a grantee of ours, and I'm so impressed with the work that's done. And uh, she is a real ally in this field. Sharon, tell us a little bit about the organization and the the work you do. Well. Thank you. First of all, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about what I think is really important work. And um, I also really value the support that we've gotten from the LA Giving Circle, which has just been so meaningful to us. Um, St. Joseph Centre is a social services organization and we support individuals who are just experiencing hardship all over the city. Um, primarily, we focus on outreach engagement, housing and mental health support. But my kind of world is the workforce development, um, the vocational part and I think the fulfillment of what a lot of social services exist for, which is achieve stability and then what's next for people. So, you know, what what do you do when you get back indoors? What do you do with the rest of your life? What do you do when, you know, you're you've really been defined by your circumstances and your life has been defined by your circumstances, be that homelessness or domestic violence or human trafficking? And what's really critical is that we have a lot of people who are kind of trapped in that um, area where with a little bit of support and with some training and with some skills could go on um, and can go on to leave, lead very successful, fulfilled lives. Um, Sharon? And I, yes. I think you're absolutely right. I, I, I want to just share with the audience that... Uh, I, I believe many of us don't get to have a relationship with people who are unhoused, right? We see them on the street. Yeah. Uh, we we see people living in their cars, which is a very strong phenomenon here. A lot of people live in their cars in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles area. And, and many of those people have fallen into an incident through a health care issue. They took care of a relative and lost their job. As a result of uh, the pandemic, they lost their job. Uh, they were people like you and I, and then something terrible happened. But when that happens to you, your whole image of yourself changes, or it can, and you become resentful and angry, and you don't feel there's any hope. Tell me about how you work with people like that, and and uh, and we'll talk about mental health in another in another question. But just pulling people out to see the potential that they have. Yeah, you know, when when it's a really it's a really good point because one of the effects of something like homelessness is it's really dehumanizing. Um and it's something that as people we 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 don't see beyond it to the person kind of beneath what's presented to us. And can you imagine what it is like when society relates to you in that way? Can you imagine what it does to your sense of self? So let alone what what's your future pot prospect or what are you going to do with your life or you know what what do you do what do you make and so what's really critical about the work that we do is we look at what people are capable of we look at their potential we look at capacity and that's what we assess for and we really create a safe environment a safe space with a lot of support um, and a lot of resources to address the barriers that are naturally going to be there and what we found is when someone feels safe and when someone actually is feels 
trusted and is in an environment where they can let their guard down, most of what you're pointing to is just not an issue. And I love that. Can you give an example of a real life example of a woman coming into you and then how you saw the potential and where she ended up going? What yeah. she, what she did, especially on the job side, that would help us to understand yeah. better. Absolutely. Yeah. So we had um, one woman in particular came to us after having um, been um, trafficked and she had spent most of her life actually um, impacted by that. Um, and she, when she came to Code Talk, she um, really had trouble with being outside. There was a lot of complex PTSD. There was a lot of the effects of having experienced what she had experienced, which was a lot of violence and a, and a, and a lot of um, helplessness with, you know, with her life. She actually went on to um, graduate from the program, watching her transform from someone who really wasn't able to make eye contact and had difficulty with um, large groups of people, with all kinds of things, had, had trouble leaving the house, to she actually worked for us for a number of years and has since gone on to um, an organization that supports other people coming out of trafficking with rebuilding their lives. And, you know, you, you know that expression, turning your pain into passion, mm -hmm. um, you know, actually taking your life experience and using what hurt you to help other people heal and be okay and move forward. Um, and like it's that. incredibly powerful. Yeah. Let me, let me talk a little bit about trafficking because I don't think our audience maybe knows, but Trafficking of, of women and girls and boys and men, but a lot of it is women and girls for sex, for housework, for um, uh, other kinds of labor in garment industry and other industries is unfortunately extremely common. We have a lot of it in Los Angeles. And I think most people think, oh, that's a problem in other parts of the world. I have actually met some police officers who are handling it. And they talked to me about Orange County how there are a lot of people who are trafficked there and in Los Angeles. And just to establish how much of a problem it is, at LAX in the women's bathrooms, the door has a sign on it that says, if you're being trafficked, you can call this number. And it yeah. shows grainy pictures of a woman you know, soliciting a man in a car, a woman cleaning, a woman working in a kitchen, a woman working in a factory. And they did it in the bathrooms because that's where the women get to go privately, right? And there's a number they can call. So unfortunately, trafficking is a real problem. And I, I agree with you, it puts women into a terrible, vicious cycle and violence is often part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so you can talk more about that or I'd like you to also talk about mental health because coming out of this period, we know there are serious problems with mental health and substance, right? People turn to drugs, they get it cheap on the street. Uh, and particularly I'll get on, we did a campaign about methamphetamine for homeless and, and low income folks to let them know how dangerous it could be with fentanyl, et cetera. And unfortunately, we find that the, you know, women and men were taking it because they needed to stay awake to protect their stuff on the street. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that we see over and over again, whether the trauma is a result of trafficking or homelessness or simply chronic poverty, like grappling with economic hardship for all of your life and the effects that that has on an individual's mental health, um, it can really, um, you know, one of what what we see is that a a sort of um, a narrowing of the vision happens where um, 
look, have you ever worked a job that was meaningless and was dead end? And how did you feel when you were waking up on Monday morning and you just like, oh, God. And the best you can hope for is more of the same until one day you might ha you might say something to your boss and you get fired and that's it. And there goes the cycle again. Um, there is what that does to a person's sense of their future, their sense of agency doesn't, you know, whether a person has um, experience with trafficking or homelessness or drugs or any of those things that really can completely derail and define a person's life. When you have something to hope for, something to hold on to, something that you yourself can build, then that changes how you approach everyday life. And it really has an effect on people where you know, most vocational programs, most employment programs will say, no, that person is too vulnerable. The, the trauma is too severe. No, that's not going to, at best, that person is forever a survivor. I get it, Sharon. You, your, your organization gives hope to people and that can be a fuel for the future. Sharon, this has been wonderful. This is Sharon Plunkett and she's part of St. Vincent, excuse me, St. Joseph Center. St. Joseph Center, which is a wonderful facility. I want people to know how they can donate and possibly volunteer. Give us the website, please. Stjosephcenter.org and that's S-T-J-O-S-E-P-H-C-T-R.org. Stjosephcenter.org, Stjosephcenter.org. Sharon, thank you so much for telling us about the giving of hope and really seeing below the surface, like you said, for these women and the troubles that they've had. And I hope the listeners are understanding how they too could know one of those people, could even be one of those people. And thank you so much for the work you're doing. You're listening to the Renee Frazier Show, Why Women, as we talk about doing well by doing good. And we're going to talk next to a formerly incarcerated woman. And I sat with her and a, a woman who'd been a, a convicted of murder. I want to share my experience in the next session. Stay tuned for the Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. This is the Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. We've been talking about doing well by doing good. We've shared three organizations that are part of the LA Giving Circle. A last organization I wanted to talk about is People's Pottery Project. At a recent event, I got to sit between two people who were murderers and had been incarcerated, one of which is Ilka, who was the founder, co-founder, I should say, of People's Pottery Project. And as I mentioned earlier, these are organizations that are really helping women and girls. Let me tell you a little bit about People's Pottery Project. Elka had been in prison for 27 years. When she came out of incarceration, you get $200. And when you are being considered for getting out, one of the key factors is whether you have a job or not. And you can imagine 27 years in prison, you don't have many job prospects, right? It's a terrible situation to be in. Well, she had met an artist, and that woman artist hired her and wrote a letter so as she could get out, said, I've got a job for her, helping me in my studio. She helped for a while, and then the woman said, what about pottery? Why don't you go and start a pottery class or take a class? She loved it so much. She found pottery was calming and soothing, and she did a good job. So the woman said, let's start a nonprofit. You and your other colleague run it. 
And so Ilka runs People's Pottery Project. You can find it at peoplespotteryproject.com. They now have 75 or 80 people in the program, and they make beautiful pottery. People purchase the pottery for events and for gifting. It's a wonderful place to go. You can also talk to them about their pottery making. But what it has done is made people feel fulfilled and get jobs. They are paid a very high rate, over $20 an hour. They get benefits. And it is a place for formerly incarcerated people to go for jobs so they have a place to go. Because if you leave after many years in prison, even if you join your family, where do you go for training? Where do you go for a job? And we heard Sharon Plunkett talk about St. Joseph Center as a place that helps people get jobs. But People's Pottery Project does the same thing, directly intervening with people who've been in prison. So this is another program for the from the uh, L.A. Giving Circle that you could consider being a part of. Please do that as you think about how you can do well by doing good in the new year. Now I'd like to introduce Debbie Payne. Debbie is great with KABC. Debbie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Renee. And I've been listening and I've been fascinated with all of the guests today and just really impressed with how uh, much of a champion you are for women. Uh, You've been a champion for as long as I've known you and especially over this year, uh, 2022, where you've done the Why Women Show on KBC and you've brought into the light so many women that are uh, making a difference, they're growing, they're they're sharing their knowledge and their voice, and uh, you're giving people inspiration that 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 voice needs to be heard. So first of all, thank you for all you do for women. Thank you. I, I really appreciate the opportunity, Debbie. It's it's important to highlight things people don't understand about why women make a difference in the world and how they can do it. And even small differences and acts of kindness have a big impact. And sadly, we're in a world with lots of challenges. And unfortunately, most of what you hear and see is pretty negative. I like to be a positive force. And my company and I really believe in doing well by doing good. And you do live that, and I love the slogan, and I know it's our friend Ben Franklin's uh, slogan, but I, I think it fits you uh, for all you do at Fraser Communications and in your uh, Women on Boards and the Why Women show, and I, I'm very, very happy that you are able to get your voice out there and let people know about the good things you're doing. And what motivates you each day when you get up? What what kinds of things make uh, you excited to get up and move forward with this sort of vision? Well, you know what I I do? I start with uh, uh, a moment of quiet. And uh, a friend of mine has taught me to do that, right? You take kind of an assessment of where you are and how you feel. And if I'm not feeling great, I, I work on that, right? And that happens sometimes, you know, you get up and you have a headache or you're groggy uh, or you're facing something during the day. And I usually look out. I, I have an opportunity to look at the ocean or the trees and I take uh, solace in that. And I, I try to refocus inside with a little bit of meditation on what's, what's good in my life. And, you know, the fact that I woke up is a good thing. And then I, I, then I really try to say to myself, what, what good am I going to do today? And, uh, you know, having children and grandchildren now, what do you say at the end of the day? What have you accomplished? You know, what did you do? And, you know, I went to these four meetings. I attended. That isn't what I want to tell anybody. And I think a lot of us have to think about that. What? You know, if I was, if this was my last day, 
what would I say I accomplished? And uh, there's a, a phrase I like, which is time flies by, but you're the pilot. That's the good news. Mm. You can decide what you do with your time. So I try to think about that in the morning as I start my day and during the day. What am I using my time for? That's why I started the radio show. Another way to force me to make me give back in a way that uh, was a routine for me. Yes, and you have so much to share and you have so many uh, things to share and projects that you've been involved in. And I just love the idea of reflecting and, and having a minute of gratitude to um, th uh, be thankful for the day we have to live and what are we going to do with that day. And grandchildren and, and children and grandchildren are sure a wonderful uh, part of our lives. And I'm glad you get to share that. I do, too. Um, so. What what's up ahead for you in 2023? What are some of your um, projects or your goals? Uh, give us a peek into the mind and the great mind of Renee Fraser. Ah, oh, well, you know, it's still brewing. What what's going to be my focus for 2023? One of the things I, I'm a part of 5050 Women on Boards, which is an organization uh, that is working for gender balance. We've got about 34 percent of the seats uh, in California, much higher than the rest. Of of the country. I believe we need to take this global and uh, I'm going to be doing some traveling in the new year and I want to talk to other women and men who are leaders about the progress we've made in the United States and, and the research. It shows we make a difference. When women are in the corporate boardroom, they ask more questions about how the employees are treated. They look at what we call ESG. How are we impacting the environment, the social part of the world? Uh, how are we focusing on diversity and inclusiveness? And it's not just to make it a superficial. What are we really doing? So I'd like to see more women in leadership roles on boards around the world. So that'll be one of my areas of focus. The other thing I'm going to do, believe it or not, is I'm going to volunteer. I sit on all these boards, but I plan to take on a a volunteer mission with a girls group. It might be a foster girls. I, I can't foster a child, but I could certainly be someone on a Saturday who talks with girls and mentoring or takes on a young woman and tries to help. So that's my my other effort on the good side. The other thing is I hope to grow my business. Uh, we had a little bit of a tough time during the pandemic and uh, I want to see 25% growth and I've got great employees who are helping me make that happen. Wow, where do you have all the energy for this? <laughs> uh, 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 you have a lot of energy, Renee. I'll say that for sure. And to have those, those goals are big goals to uh, create a global uh, type of um, presence with the 5050 women on boards is big enough endeavor. But, you know, to also have the room to volunteer and pour into young women, um, you know, so important. Uh, it does take time and you're running a business on top of it all. It's you amaze me. You are um, a shining light. And I certainly appreciate all you've done for our listeners on KBC and how maybe now they they can see a little a little more clearly of uh, what women um, contribute and how they can support uh, the women that they work with, that they live with, that they parent, that they grandparent. I appreciate that, Debbie. That's one of the reasons I'm on this station. I think it's important for women and men, but men in particular, to be able to say, oh, I had never thought about it that way. It's hard to have another person's perspective. And that's what I do on the show, try to reveal some of the issues that women deal with and also the, the research that demonstrates women really do think differently and make issues, uh, raise issues that men may feel like, well, that's messy. Why are we dealing with that? But they're, 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 
they're trying to do that as to make the world a better place. And uh, women uh, do make different priorities. So it's good for men to understand why those priorities are there. And for us to value each other's point of view, we don't have all the answers. We have to listen to men as well, but it's a collaborative uh, effort. And that's why we talk about a balanced perspective, right? It's about gender balance. It's not about dominance. It's about gender balance for women and men. Absolutely. And just to thank everybody that was on the show today, um, we only have a minute left. Why don't you go ahead and take that? Thank you, Debbie. I will. We featured today Doing Well by Doing Good and talked about the L.A. Giving Circle. Helen McKenna started it in 2010, and you can find at lagivingcircle.org. And then we were able to highlight three of the programs that have been funded. One is a wonderful program called DIY Girls, helping middle school girls get trained for STEM. The other one is the St. Joseph Center, working with women who've been trafficked or homeless to help get them back on their feet and get jobs. And the last one we talked about was People's Pottery Project, a wonderful organization that takes women who were formerly incarcerated and gives them jobs. Thank you for listening to Why Women with Renee Frazier. Great opportunity to learn about how you can make a difference in the coming year. And even small things can really count. Why women and why doing well by doing good should be a mantra for all of us. Have a wonderful holiday and a great 2023. 